0: A portion of God's word that we'll look at a little bit more closely today is Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 15. If you know the account, it's the um, account of the burning bush, Moses and the burning bush, uh, where God comes to him and and asks him to be his leader. So it says this, it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. For the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. This is God's word. So, I need a volunteer. I'm not telling you what for. Any volunteers? None. All right. You can just stay there. You don't even have to get up. What you need to do is you need to book a flight to Moscow, go into P- Putin's palace, and tell him to stop it. All right? <laughs> of course. Who would do that, right? I mean, maybe some people would want to do that. But I don't know if anybody of, of us would ever really do that. And he, it's it's very similar, though, to what God is telling Moses to do. Right here. He doesn't have to march into Putin's palace, but he, he has to march into Pharaoh's palace. And tell him to stop. Actually, he doesn't even have to say stop it. He doesn't have to say stop invading. he says, I'm going to take something from you. I'm going to destroy your economy because... I, you have to let two and a half million people go. You're all your slaves. I'm going to take them with me, all right? What do you think Pharaoh's going to say? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, Let me think about it. No. Obviously, he's going to say no. And yet, that's exactly what God asked Moses to do here. I want you to go into this powerful king's palace and say, let my people go. So what did Moses say? What would you say? Who am I? I mean, I, I get it. If, if, if General McConville or President Biden called us up this afternoon and says, all right, you're the one. You're the one that's gonna go to Russia and say, stop it. I, I think you and I would all say, who am I? Uh, that I should be the one. I mean, there are a lot more qualified people than me to go to Russia and represent the United States and saying, stop it, or represent Ukraine and stop it. Uh, There are more people qualified than than me in this room uh, to go and do that. And yet, when God asked Moses to do that, he wasn't just picking any Joe Schmo off the street. Really, when you think about it, Moses... Moses very likely was the most qualified person on the planet to go into Pharaoh's palace and say, let my people go. If you remember anything about uh, Moses, yes, he was an Israelite. Yes, he was a Jew by blood. But to remember a little bit of his background, he grew up in the palace, in the Egyptian palace. As he was adopted by the princess of Egypt when she found him floating in that little basket on the Nile River. And so he knew the Egyptian customs. He knew the Egyptian culture. He knew the language. He knew the, you know, what he could do and, and, and all these, these various things. He had, he had great leadership training growing up as a prince. Uh, he would not have known because he had escaped. He had fled Egypt 40 years ago. So he would not have known personally the pharaoh who was on the throne at this time. But if you, if you trace the, the pharaohs, it's very likely it was kind of like his nephew who was the pharaoh at this time. Now, I say kind of because, A, Moses was adopted, and anytime time there was a pharaoh change, sometimes it wouldn't just be a direct descendant. Sometimes if someone died, then the brother would step in and then all these different things. But the point is, they were related. point is that when God told Moses, go, Moses knew where he was asking him to go. He knew the setting. He knew he knew the, the palace itself. He could probably even envision the room where he would be having this conversation. Completely different than if I asked you to go to Moscow uh, today. And yet, as somewhat familiar as it was to him, Moses asked this question. Who am I? Who am I? And I don't think it was false humility on Moses' part. I mean, the Bible actually says Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth. It wasn't so much humility that led him to ask that question, it was insecurities insecurities how many times have insecurities led us to ask who am I you know maybe you get asked to do something at work a big job and you say who am I (laughs) that you're giving me that responsibility or maybe you get asked to do something at church and you say who am I that you're asking me uh, to do that. I, I mean, we are very good, and it was kind of came up in the that opening section today, we are very good at masking our insecurities. We're very good at, at giving this impression, oh yeah, I got everything under control. No worries. I've got all the confidence in the world. And yet you peel back the layers. And you see that we all deal or have dealt or will deal with insecurities at some time of our life. For a variety of reasons, for a variety of causes. You know, a, a psychology today did a, a big study on uh, what, what are the main causes of insecurity. Uh, number one was a, something of a, a, a recent failure causes insecurity, so if you fell off a bike, you're maybe insecure to get right back on that bike. If you messed up being the project manager of some big job at work, you're maybe feeling insecure to be assigned another project. Uh, so, so that was number one, and n- number two is just social anxiety, that, that we, don't, we don't like to be evaluated by others, and so that maybe makes us feel insecure. Uh, number three was just the, the driven by, by perfectionism. That we, if we've set the bar here and we never reached that way or that, that high, then all of a sudden I feel insecure. That's what psychology today says. Again, you're going to see a whole bunch of causes, a whole bunch of areas of our lives where we we maybe feel insecure, we're maybe insecure about our looks, we're maybe insecure about our abilities, we're maybe insecure about our relationships, there are a whole bunch of things that lead us to ask exactly what Moses said here. Who am I? Who am I? And yet, isn't that part of the problem? It's that question. That question is kind of the problem. Who am I? Because where are our eyes directed when we ask that question? We're navel gazers, right? Uh, We're looking at ourselves. And and when we look at ourselves, a couple things maybe happen. One, one we, we maybe do puff up with pride. Oh, look at who I am. But more often than not, when we really, again, peel back the layers and say, who am I? I see my flaws. I see my shortcomings. I see my guilt. And all of a sudden, I become insecure. Maybe not even all of a sudden. And so we need to ask the right question today. The question is not so much, who am I? But the question is, who is God? And in a roundabout way, to Moses' credit, he gets to that question. Yes, he starts off by saying, Who am I that you're asking me to do this? But then as that conversation happens a little bit more on that holy ground, he says, All right, all right, all right. Suppose I do go. <laughs> Suppose I do go and I and I go to these people and I say, Hey. The God of your father says, I'm supposed to rescue you and get you out of here. And they say, oh yeah, who's that? Who am I supposed to say sent me? And that's when God gives this beautiful answer that he says, verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am who I am. That is one of the most beautiful names for God uh, that we want to look at today. And, and I, I get it. At first, that, that name or that description of yourself, I am who I am, that, that maybe could almost sound a little bit arrogant. You know, you, you meet someone at a party and say, Hi, I'm Joel. Who are you? Oh, I am who I am. Oh, oh, yikes. I'll move on to the next person, right? <laughs> um, or, or, or maybe it sounds even a little bit like, you're you're giving an excuse. You know, if you don't live up to your parents' expectations on something or you don't live up to your spouse's expectations on something, you know, why didn't you do this better? Well, I am who I am, you know? And yet when God says this, it's not arrogance, it's not an excuse. He's just saying, you know what? In my purest form, in my... This was, sometimes they would say, This is God's personal name. There, are, there just are no adjectives that adequately fit who I am. There are no quantifiers or qualifiers that ca- encapsulate everything about me. I am who I am. I am in the past. I am in the present. I am. In the future, there, there, is, there is nothing that can, can change that. And ultimately, it is that. The consistency of the I am God that would crush any insecurities that Moses had as he was dealing with this task at hand. And I pray today, this very God, this, this I am God, is also what crushes our insecurities because the I am God first of all shows it it, it proves that that he is a God who who was consistent in the past who proved himself in the past I I mean you, you look at even before even before Moses asked hey who am I God already introduced himself as, hey, I, I've done some pretty cool stuff in the past. He, he comes to, he comes to uh, Moses there in the burning bush, and how does he introduce himself? He says, Moses, I am the God of, your, of the father of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. In other words, I'm the guy who blessed childless Abraham. When he thought everything was lost, when he, when he was old, when he was 100 years old, that's when I came through and I blessed him with the child. I'm a God. I am the God of, of Isaac. You know, when Isaac couldn't find, when there were no God-fearing women who, to, to be his wife, I'm the God who blessed Isaac. And I found a God-fearing woman named Rebecca who came and fed some camel some water. To, that, that was me. I'm the God of Jacob. Jacob, you know, when, when his, his life was on the line, when his, his own brother was threatening to kill him, I appeared to Jacob in a dream and showed him a stairway to heaven and said, don't worry, Jacob, everything is going to be okay. That's me. I am. I am a God of the past. I am the God who proved myself in the past. I mean, you just look at all three of these gentlemen that are listed here. Completely different situations. They had challenges come up in their life that none of them could have planned for. And yet what happened? God saw them through everyone. Because he was the I am. God crushed their insecurities simply by being there. And I would pray that you know, that, that opens our eyes today to see that our insecurities can be crushed because the I am God is someone who proved himself in the past. But the conversation doesn't stop there between God and Abraham, or God and Moses, rather. He, he also goes on to show Not only am I the God who proved myself in the past, I am also the one who will promise to be with you in the future. You know, as Moses is thinking about the the task at hand, what, what does God say to him? He says this, he says, I will be with you, future tense, and this will be the sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Have brought. Will worship. What a neat thing. That God is telling Moses here. He said, Guess what, buddy? It's guaranteed. I guarantee you will be back on this, on this same spot. The end is going to all turn out okay. Because I am. And, and God gives that same sign to you. He gives the same guarantee that no matter what our insecurities are today, he says, in the end, it's going to be okay. That's really what the book of Revelation is all about. I mean, I know there's some fantastic pictures in, in Revelation, and it's awesome, but it all comes down to one main point. In the end, Jesus wins. In the end, it's all going to be Okay. And we say, okay, that's awesome, but, but can't you give me a sign, a, a specific sign like you gave Moses here? And sometimes we look for that. Give me a sign, Lord, give me a sign. But even this sign that God gives to Moses, there's a lot that happens in between the sign and the fulfillment, right? He says, I will bring you back here. You will have brought people out. But there's, what all happened in between there? At least, not once, not twice, but ten times. Moses would have to risk his life marching into Pharaoh's throne room and saying, let my people go. (laughs) Moses would be standing pinned between a sea and an ensuing army. Moses would have the challenge of hurting 2.5 million people, grumbling people, herding them together and leading them. It wasn't going to be easy, but in the end, in the end, God would fulfill the very sign that He gave him, that he would bring him back to this mountain and they would worship. And God gives you that sign, too. He says, "In the end, you will come. you will come to a mountain, not that mountain, but you'll come to the mountain of God of heaven. You too will worship. That's your sign. That you have been given and so so you know again you you think about what that does to our insecurities it just it it gets us to take our eyes off of of ourselves right now and, and look into the future and to know this that our insecurities can be crushed not just because God the I am God has proved himself in the past but he also promises to be with us in the future What about now? What about as we're dealing with insecurities as we sit right here in these pews today? You know, I get the future, I get the past, but what about now? Well, then, that's where we take comfort in the name itself, I Am who I am. Present tense. Right now, God is who He claims to be. I am who I am. And I am, you know, you look at the way he describes himself here and his heart. I am the one who hears or who sees the misery of my people. I am the one who hears the cries of my people. I am, is what he says. I am the one who is going to rescue you in the person of Jesus and bring you to a holy land, a good and spacious land. I am. You know, don't, don't miss the value of that, that beautiful name today. Yes, we all have insecurities, whether it's, again, you pick it, relationships, looks, abilities, but you're not alone. The I am God is with you, not just was with you, not just will be with you, but I am who I am today. That's what he promises to you. And so may all your insecurities be crushed by that simple, simple truth that God is with us in the present. Amen. And may the peace of that truth guard your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus.